Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. I want to speak over you this morning. Take hold of the healing power of God and say, I'm not going to receive. I'm not going to have any of these viruses or sickness or disease. Father, I thank you for keeping everybody healthy in my house. We walk in divine health. Healing belongs to me because Jesus paid the price on the cross for me to walk in healing and health. And I believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Use some wisdom as you claim the healing power of God. Somebody said to me this week, why are you wearing a mask? I said, because you, sweetheart, are on quarantine. <laughs> and you've got germs I'm not receiving. And I just put it on. And, you know, there's a mix of wisdom that lines up with plan of God. And we want to walk in that. So if you get sick, don't be condemned. Pray for somebody. Ask somebody to pray for you. And we will. But better to... to Take precautions and use wisdom. I also know when it turns this time of year, it's, it's good to wear a coat even when I'm in a hurry. I'm one of those guys that likes to wear a warm enough shirt. I can dash to the truck and dash in where I need to go. I've just decided, you know, I'm going to dash with the coat on instead of not and button it up to here instead of halfway up. And, you know, I'm just speaking some practical things. Why? Uh, there's just too much going on around us. And Scripture says that uh, the world is going to have more and more problems, that darkness is going to increase, that problems are going to increase. But in the body of Christ, there's to be an increase of light. I, I was, it doesn't take long for the Holy Spirit to answer my prayer when it comes to, Lord, what should I tell your people? Uh, that's the easiest thing for a preacher to hear of anything is, is what the Lord wants to say to people. Why? We, we maintain an open channel to hear that. I don't want to tell you what I think. I want to tell you what he says. What I think isn't going to change anything. What I think, if I, I talk out of what I think, there's not a lot of cloud in that. But when I speak what God says, there's, there's his cloud in that. There's his backing of that if we choose to believe it. So I like to point to his word. Today I'm looking at uh, three chapters in Isaiah for two minutes. And then I'm going to, to share uh, one of those chapters for about 15 minutes. And we're going to look at the book of Acts, how it fits today. But there are three chapters in Isaiah beginning in chapter 53 that talk about the age that we're living in. And Isaiah 53 is about the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. We were singing about that this morning because it is the beginning of the church age. You live in the church age. We're here in what is about to be the end of the church age. Isaiah 53 is talking about the promises of God, including healing, including the, the goodness of God and God taking care of us during the church age. That instead of keeping a set of laws, we keep a simple law, the law of love and loving God with all of our heart and loving people the way we want God to love us and the way we want people to love us. And by that, we by grace then obtain the promises of God in the church age. We don't just automatically walk in them. We have to obtain the promises of God. When people come passively to church, they're not going to get anything. When we come to church, we're supposed to stir up our faith and say, I'm going to obtain a promise or two today. I'm going to get a hold of something in my heart today. Because those promises are something that we have to keep in our heart. Or in the Old Testament, they said, keep before their eyes. 
In the New Testament, we keep them before our heart by saying, that belongs to me. And we order our conversation aright. If you're a passive Christian, you will die without much of the promise of God. A passive Christian can go to heaven so long as they accepted Jesus as, as their Savior. But they're not going to experience much blessing on earth until we make him our Lord. The Lord of this life. So Isaiah 53 is about the promises. And what Jesus did for us. Isaiah 54 is a picture of the, the modern day church. It's a, it's a, a picture of what I call the, the church age. That we're going to talk about a little bit today. Isaiah 55 is about the end time harvest of the church. We are at the end of chapter 54, verging on chapter 55. If you want to know what time it is with God, that's what time it is with God. There's a word in the, the Greek New Testament called kairos. The closest equivalent we have is the word chronos. Chronos is our word for time according to the clock and the calendar and how we measure and meter our days and our months and our years. Kairos is how God measures his will in our life. Kairos is God's time clock. He's not moved by our time clock, the one on the wall. He's moved by what time it is as far as heaven is concerned. So when I say what time it is with God, uh, I, I can look at the scripture and recognize when, oh, that's for right now. That's for right now. Why? That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. It's one of the ways, one of the primary ways. So when I look at these three chapters in Isaiah, I said, this is, this is showing us a window of time as God sees it. God isn't moved by our clock running out. He's moved by something he set in motion called his will. He set his motion in will for the church age when Jesus was born of the virgin and when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the clock started on the church age. When Jesus rose again, he initiated the church before he went to heaven so the church would be the place God would fulfill his plan in the earth. You are the centerpiece of God's plan and you get to choose to be on his clock or let your life run out on your clock. That's it. We can be in the will of God or we can ask God to be in our will. That's the difference. When we pray our own desire and our own plan, we're saying, God, on my clock it says it's time for you to bless me. On my clock it says it's time for you to heal my body. On my clock it says it's time to bring a mate. On my clock it says it's time to bless my family. On my clock, it's time to, to grow my bank account. But on God's clock, he has one thing on his mind. It's time to redeem his family. It's time to bring everybody into the family because the, the next chapter is the end time harvest. We have crossed into a threshold where there's great conflict in this portion of the church age between those who want Jesus to bow his knee to them and the church who will bow their knee to him. We have to decide which one do we want to be. Because that's the picture of the conflict of this age. You as a Christian should begin to experience what it means to be in conflict with yourself. Because now Jesus should be the one living bigger in us. And we should recognize there's more to life than this.
If you've ever thought that, that's the beginning of God interrupting your chronos with his kairos. He's saying, I put you here for my purpose. Why would he do that? Seems like God wants to interrupt our plan. It's because his plan is better than our plan. Scripture says his way is higher than our way. That means we're supposed to submit to it. It doesn't mean we're not to attain it. It means he wants us to recognize the crossroads that we're at right now. Are we going to give him room to have his way? Or are we trying to confine him into our little way? He wants to make your way great. That has everything to do with you getting all the promises and blessing of God. But it's going to come by doing something his way. There's too much liberty, I think, preached today. That everybody can have their way and it'll all end up all right. God's grace gives us the ability to accept Jesus as Savior and deny him from being much of our Lord. And not really giving our life back to him. I believe the mercy of God is so great that people can get into heaven by never giving Jesus very much. But he's the judge of that. I'm not. If I, would, if I was going to decide how I need to think, I need to think. He died for me so I would be so motivated to give my life back to him. That I look for ways to do that. That would be the right way to think if the end time harvest is what's on God's mind. He says at any time in a parable, Jesus taught in one of the parables that different workers came into the harvest at different times. But the fact that they came and participated, God rewarded them. The owner of the field rewarded them in kind for coming because they became a part. I would say this, it's never too late to surrender to the God of the harvest. But the earlier we do, the more we're going to experience his goodness and his mercy in our lives. The more we're going to see his favor. The more we're going to see our prayers answered. When we line up with his will. We can ask what we will. And he will see it through. But we have to line up with his will. His will is simple. He wants to grow his family. And bring everybody in that he can. And he will give you the influence to do that. If you want to do what he wants. And what do I mean by influence? The blessing of God on your life is a great influence. It gives people the ability to look at you and see something in you going on that they wish they had like you have. For some of you, your, your family life, your marriage, people are going to look and say, man, I wish I had uh, more of a marriage like that. I wish my husband treated me like that or my wife treated me like that. Some of you are saying, I wish I, I need to, to find somebody like that to look at. Well, the, the, the word tells us how to do that. If we line up with the word in our marriage and family, others will look and say, man, I want some of that. Why? Because it's a commodity Jesus paid for, and we don't get it any other way. So we have a security, we have a confidence that the world isn't going to have if we're doing it God's way. That applies to anything. You can have, I know a lot of people with a lot of money, that die in misery. Watched it year after year after year. Why? They may have succeeded in that area, but they didn't know why, what, what it was for. And they didn't attain happiness in what they thought would provide happiness or security in what they thought would provide security because this flesh is going to die no matter how much money you, you pile around it. 
God has a prosperity that brings joy. And when we line up with his will, it's a security that we may not take the funds to heaven, but we take the riches to heaven because that's what he calls people. God measures your wealth by the influence you have on people for him. That's why he says that those unsaved can be our inheritance because that's how he sets value. Now, Isaiah 54 is about the church age, talking about a a church that's in trouble because there's more people uh, out there serving self than there are people serving the Lord. And he's talking about the church age. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church and looking within the church of the living God. There's a big group more about themselves, and there's a smaller group more about God. And he's telling us that the church age is going to come to an end, and that's going to be the condition. The condition of the end time harvest is there are many more people out to ask God to bless them than are saying, God, let me bless you. We're in that age. I've watched innumerable people turn away from serving the Lord to wanting a Lord who will only serve them. That are looking more and more for what can I get out of this. And what happens when people start to do that is the power of God cannot be at work like it used to be. Because they're stepping away from the will of God. The will of God is for a close personal relationship through Christ Jesus with everybody in his family. And as soon as we pull away from that and think he's going to now serve us by giving us the goods, he's saying, wait a minute, who's supposed to serve who in this kingdom? We've got to remember he's our king. He's already done his serving. He served us first by laying down his life. Now we serve him in response by laying down our life. So in the church age, it's predictable. And the, the scripture says there will be a great falling away. The great falling away is this one attitude. God, what can you do for me? That's the great falling away. And that means we put God in our plan. Well, God, I want to live in my order. And my order says, everybody else is having sex before marriage. I'm going to do that. Everybody else is is working first. I'm going to work first. Everybody else is, and, and you know, the list goes on and on and on. It gets quiet in the house at this. Why? It's the message of the moment. The message of the moment is within the church, there's a division because there's wrong spirit and wrong attitude. Whenever we step back and we want God's word to fit us, we're in error. We have to always look at God's word and say, let this word cut me so I fit him. Let this word work on me. He he made his word sharper than a two-edged sword so it wouldn't hurt, but we would know it happened. I don't know if you've ever gone under a surgeon's knife. I have before, not for any major thing, but I had this this thing come on my head. It's genetic, I guess, they tell me. And uh, I, I didn't like it. It bumped out on my head. And people would ask me things like, did you have a bad concussion? Is that, is that brain matter leaking out? <laughs> like, no, it's not. You know, so I had it taken care of by an expert surgeon, plastic surgeon, who recommended removing it. And when he is done, I looked in the mirror and thought, that's oh, pretty slick. I knew it happened, 
but it didn't hurt. Why well, they put me out? I wanted to be out. You know, I remember hearing them talk and knowing what they were doing and all of that. But I didn't feel except a little pressure there. Thought, well, I know they're cutting, and I could imagine what that looked like. But when I got done, I was pleased with the outcome. And uh, they even had the, the sense to know, look where he's got a wrinkle and cut there because that'll cover up any scarring if there is any. So you can't tell looking at me unless you know where the certain wrinkle is. Now, I know where it is. It, the Holy Spirit is better than that at going in with God's Word if we invite Him. If we resist, imagine making the Holy Spirit the surgeon and the scalpel's coming, but we're fighting. I would have had a different looking head today. Now, what does he do? He likes to take away from our consciousness the fight. And he does that when we say, I am willing, God. He said the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. When we choose to be willing, it becomes natural to submit to him and let him do his work on us. And then we suddenly step back and say, why was I, why was I resisting this when God only wanted to help me? That's who he is. Now, he says, break forth into singing and cry out loud, you that did not travail and give birth to any children. For more are the children of the desolate, and that means the, the backslidden, the godless, the without God, not living with God, than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. In other words, there's got to be a desire in us to cooperate with God. The beginning of doing right, the beginning of seeing God's blessing restored. If you're, if you're experiencing that something just isn't right, the answer comes simply, cooperate with what God wants and begin to cry out to make a difference in somebody else's life. When we begin to do that, God gives us what he calls spiritual children. He gives us people that are going to suddenly connect with our life that are depending on him, but he's looking for a person to parent them and to help them. See, relationship in the body of Christ was never meant come and hear pastor preach and go home and get the blessing. It was about coming to be equipped to do what God's will is for the age that we live in so that his blessing catches us by sneaking up behind and grabbing us. When church is more about finding out how to be blessed, we're, we're missing the point. The point is how to serve the Lord because then it's his job to bless us. It's his promise to bless us. I'll say it this way. It's his guarantee to bless us. So when we come, we ought to come looking for what is it that God needs me for? What does he want me for? Why am I here right now? Whenever something doesn't seem quite right, it's because we recognize there's something yet to be fulfilled. And that hole is, is the place where God wants to work his will to displace our will. He wants us to choose him first or put him first. We've talked about right order. We're talking about how to think right today. If we think right, our steps will go right. Now, that was one verse. But our, our, our desire should be to fulfill his will. Now, if we want to increase, we're going to give God what he wants. There's so, so many, uh, there's so many messages today that are inspirational, and I like to feel inspired sometimes. But I look for what, what's God revealing in his word, because if I get a hold of revelation, I can succeed. 
If I get a hold of revelation, the enemy's not going to stop me. If I get hold of revelation, I'm going to have the discipline to make right decisions because I've just seen an answer. If you're trying to inspire me, you can inspire me and make me feel good in the moment. And I might do it in the next moment, but inspiration wears off. Revelation is remembered. Why? Revelation is God speaking it into my heart where nobody can talk me out of it. I pray that for everybody here. That you have those moments where God speaks something into your heart. You say, I got it. See, when we get revelation, it's easier to do it. Why? Because God gives us determination with revelation. When you're motivated or inspired, you can choose determination, but it's human determination. When God gives revelation, he gives divine determination called anointing. And that anointing is more than enough to take care of business. And we, we're not only inspired, we become motivated by the Holy Spirit to do and he begins to show us how to do that. There's something more that we can receive from God with the Holy Spirit's help to line up with his will. So many Christians struggle because they're struggling to fit God into their agenda instead of fitting themselves into God's agenda. Now, I want you to, to begin to get your arms wrapped around that because it's a real shift in thinking. It's how we put him first in our mind. God, what are you up to? That's a good question. Now, he, he says in, in, in the next verse, uh, the verse that I hear most preached out of Isaiah 54. It, it's this, enlarge the place of your tent. Now, this isn't God saying he's going to do it for us. It's God telling us to do it for him. So I, I want to point out, in the church age, it's about us doing something for him so that he can meet us in the doing and help us in the doing. The Holy Spirit is the one called alongside to help. He can see what's out there before us and he knows what lies behind and he's telling us to look ahead. Now, enlarge a place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your, inhab your habitation. God is telling us to enlarge our tent, enlarge our influence, enlarge our ability, enlarge our life, make room in our life, make room in our daily life. Then he goes on to say, and let them. Who's he talking? Who are, who's the them? The them is the new children that are to come into the family. Let the new children stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. See, I've heard this preached a lot of different ways, but not the way it's written. It's written that if we enlarge the place of our tent, what does that mean? I change my mind. I repent of the life I've had that was all about me and God blessing me. And I'm going to change my thinking that I'm here to win the family. I'm here to make room for God's family. I'm here to use my life to become the welcome station, the habitation, the place for people to come in, the, the, the place of nurturing for other people. Then he says he's going to send the children and they'll stretch the curtains. See, I've heard a hundred different preachers preach God's going to do all this. That's not what this says. It says we're going to make room and then God's going to send people and it's going to change our life. 
True prosperity is happening when God sends people into our lives in this generation. He can do that in everyday life. He can do that in church life. What's it for? He said, then the people who are coming will stretch out. You want to increase in God. You want to increase in life. You want to have more prosperity. You want to walk in more divine health. Go after people. Why? This is the, this is the message in Isaiah of what happens between the church age of everybody coming in and saying, Jesus, thank you for everything you've done for me. And turning to him and saying, now I give you my life. What can I do for you? This is a pivot point I remember prophesying back in September, several weeks in a row, particularly at the, the training table for the pastors. This is a pivot year. This is a shifting year. This is a changing season. What is it? God's Kairos clock turned on and our Kronos clock we better ignore. We better quit setting our moment's goals on what am I going to do and get done so that I can be secure. Our security will no longer be in the things of this world, even though our nation's experiencing an economic rally. Watch out that you don't place your trust there. Watch out that you don't sit back and say, well, things are really, really good. Or sit back and say, well, this is a time to relax because things shifted a right direction in the nation. Be aware of what time it is on the Kairos clock. God's saying, this is the time to do a clean sweep of our life and say, God, I'm going to enlarge my heart for people. I'm going to enlarge my sensitivity to you. And you're going to give me people, and that's going to be where I find my security. I'll say it this way. Your ministry, when it lines up with Jesus, is your place of security. You better not try to count on anything else. Now, why would I say that? Well, we'll just keep reading. Let them, the new children, stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Let them put a stress on you. What? I don't want to be inconvenienced. Then don't look for the blessing of God in this season. I'm just telling you. See, there's people who think they're walking in the blessing because they've got a good job and everything seems all right. That's not how Scripture identifies the blessing. The blessing is that we're having spiritual children under the Lord. He's telling us what matters to the master and what he will bless. So what happens if there's an economic crash at the end of an economic boom? Well, that's because man trusted in man's system. But within that world, there should be a church who's trusting in God that has their, their sights set on God's goal that he protects in the end. See, there's an enlargement of your habitation. There is God blessing your life that is right. But the way it's right is it's making room for people to come into the kingdom. That suddenly the reason we are doing it has changed. And this is what I want to implore you about with the Holy Spirit's help. I can't convince you, but if you allow him in, he can. That our first thought ought to be, I'm here to win people to God. But I don't know how. You don't have to know how. You have to want to. Well, the Holy Spirit's our helper. He'll teach us how. He'll set us up for the how. If we start saying out of our mouth, God, I want to line up with your will and your plan. Why? He, he blesses people in every kind of walk of life. And if we decide we have a ministry to win people, he'll bless you right where you're working and you'll become more secure than you've ever been before. Why? Your security is in his plan and not the employer 
or how they're doing or your business or what the numbers look like. But it'll go beyond all of that to say, I have a God who is over all of this. And if something changes, he's not going to change. And he then is your source. See, we trust him because we know who we're really working for. We're really working for him and he's providing through whatever means. That's a healthy way of thinking. So he's saying here that, that, that we have to go along with the ropes. If we're going to enlarge a place of our tent, you, you study what the Bedouins did in, in travel or the children of Israel, what they did in, in living as they lived in tents, mostly made of goat skins. And whenever there would be a goat eaten or, or, or they would skin it. And this, isn't, this is just how they lived. So they'd pile up the goat skins and there would be a, a time when particularly the women in the camp said it's, it's baby season. First thing that would happen when all the ladies were expecting babies and it seemed to kind of happen in the same season with traveling people. Why? I just, I, I won't go into that. But it's kind of synchronized and whenever the baby sheep were coming, baby, baby children, baby humans came too. Baby goats came, baby humans came. Why? There was this flow and synchrony that happened that they were tied together with their herds. But whenever there had been given a sacrifice, animals' lives were taken to be eaten, the skin was saved. And the skin then in certain seasons, I'd say when they, they were looking about like Rihanna's looking right now, and some of you other ladies are about to look more like that, uh, they, they would decide it's time for a sewing circle. And they'd come together and start to sew the skins together. Why, they're making room and making ready. Why, there was an expectation. There's somebody coming and uh, we can use more space. And I, I call it nesting. Uh, you, you know, ladies, ladies are all nodding their head yes. And men should be because you should just know that, that that's part of it. And the nesting is making room for things to come. God is in that mode right now for you. He knows. He's expecting with you. He knows he's put people in your path. He knows if you want to, you'll begin to open up the, the, the ropes and get them ready. To start sewing the skins together. What, what's it a picture of? The, the ropes had to be expanded for how much room am I going to give? To this new life right now some people are saying well I'm just going to be real conservative in my witness because it's not popular right now don't expect God to expand your influence your prosperity your health or anything else about you why he rewards us according to stewardship that's another parable Jesus taught several of them where he's looking at uh, our stewardship of what of God's plan more than your money or more than your resources of God's plan. Am I lining up with that? So uh, those ladies would get together and I think they probably looked at their, their 500 goat skins and said, I believe we can gain another 30 feet all the way around this tent. And they started uh, lengthening the ropes. Why? There was another job to do called strengthening the stakes. Ladies didn't do all the work. The men were called on for, for some brawn and some... some force to go out and pull up the two foot long tent stakes and go out in the woods and create some that are now three feet long why they're going out 20 more feet the wind is going to blow against the 20 more feet if it's going out 20 more feet it's probably going up 20 more feet 
why it's going to have that same pitch to the roof. So it's not only going out, it's got to go up. Let that be a lesson. If we're going to go out, we got to go up. If we're planning to go out and we got to go up, then we've got to lengthen the cords the right length, but then we've got to get anchored in something. Scripture says Jesus, the living word, the written word, is who we anchor to. Not a stone of offense, but uh, the rock of our foundation. And we have to go deeper in him. If you're wondering why things are not changing, start seeing the tent getting bigger for people. Not for your own prosperity or good. I'm going to tell you something. It will be as though that age and door has closed to the body of Christ. Oh, but I can have whatsoever I saith. You just start saying then. I'm telling you, when you you say what God says, you'll have whatsoever you say. And he's saying, this is the age that we're in. Now, you you can take it or leave it, but I'll tell you, time will prove. I'm telling you the word of the Lord. Well, I know what time it is. If there's anything that I know in this life, I know what time it is on God's calendar. Why? You, you pray enough, seek the Lord enough about that. You, you learn to hear that chime instead of the one on the wall. And, and then you kind of hear both and go, oh, this isn't, this isn't synchronized very well. Today's about synchronizing with the time of God, the plan of God, because that's where it's at for us. Now, we've got to go long with the ropes and we've got to go deep with the stakes. What is it? That's taking action that grounds you in Christ. If your life is out of order, say, I'm going to get in right order with God's word. It's interesting how people want to segment lordship and say, I'm going to let Jesus be lord of this, but not of this. When we know he wants to be lord of something, we should determine to line up with that. Why? Because we miss out on something when we don't. See, when we don't want to do the will of God and we want to line up more with the world... People say things like, well, I can win them to Christ that way. No, you can't. There's no anointing in it. He anoints his will. He doesn't anoint our will over his will. That's what Christ means, anointing, his anointed one. We become his anointed one when we do things his way. That's not a popular message right now, but it should be. Why? It's the truth that sets us free. It's deception that makes us bound. Now, we want to compare this this whole thinking to shallow commitment. You're either going to go deep or your stakes are going to be too shallow for things to come. When people think, well, God's going to bless me as I am. No, he's already done that. The key to entering into greater blessing, it's a covenant. There's a give and take in covenant. And right now, Jesus is saying, give into his side of things. Why? It's the end time harvest. He's going to harvest through somebody. He's going to bless the ones in the end time harvest. And and honestly, he doesn't pay wages to the rest. That's what the scripture says will happen in this age. So if I want to be in line with God's blessing, maybe I'm a great giver and I give my finances into the kingdom. That's great, but what for? Is it in order to win children into the family? Are you carrying a passion for that? You know, uh, a a woman at, at... Uh, Eight months and three weeks has a passion. It's to deliver. (laughs) It's always the same. And it usually the passion kicks in well before the last week. But that last week, it's intense. What's on your mind? What do you think's on my mind? 
Why? Because it's very clear. There is a determined goal because a determined time has come. That's how the harvest is. Keros literally means God's time determined. It means we're not going to change his mind. He has a determination for his family to grow. Your blessing until Jesus comes is always going to be connected to giving him delivery of his family. Well, I don't really want to go through that. Then don't be asking God to bless your plan. Pastor, I don't like this message. I represent the master first. And then you do with it what you want to do. But when I appear before him, I'm saying to Jesus, you heard me preaching that. Remember that, Jesus? I, I, I wanted to soften it a little bit, but you said, no, lay it out there with the two-edged sword. Why? Because it, it, it'll do more good for us that way. Dear mercy, look at that clock. Don't look. I want to get to the good part. We will. God will change the outcomes when we cooperate. I'm living proof. He can change the outcome of anything. I just keep experiencing that in my life. And he doesn't run out of that. If I find myself overcome with, with, with some kind of darkness that's closed in around me, all I do is start changing the way I talk. Lord Jesus, I didn't know how I got in this mess, or maybe I do know, and I say, I know exactly how I got in this mess, but you're going to get me out because you're my deliverer and you're always faithful, and you know I live to do your will, Lord God. You start talking like that, light's going to come down through that forest that's closed in around you. How does the light come in? He tells you something to do that lines up with his will. You, you take five minutes to talk to that person you've bumped into three times, wondering why you keep seeing them all of a sudden. There's a reason. It should come as a revelation. God, you put, you, you're doing something. What is it? You, you just start speaking words of life, and light will come. It's not as hard as we make it. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, I'm letting you be first. Now, he'll change the outcome so we cooperate. Verse, verse 3, we're just looking at three little verses here. Verse 3, for you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left. We break out. We see increase. We see success after we do verse 2. After we consider verse 1. I'm going to make room for people in my life and God will cause me to break out of my limitations. I want you to see that. You can change anything about your future that is limiting you now so long as it lines up with God's will. You know a lot of God's will by looking at what the scriptures say. But his overarching will is we're entering into the end time harvest. We're really well into it already. But most people are wanting to say, how in the world do I harvest in a mess? Same way you do in central Illinois when it looks like the storm's going to come and destroy your crop. A passion rises up and you say, I'm going out there and getting the money because I've worked all season for it and I'm not letting the money fall to the ground. That's the attitude of the Holy Spirit right now. And he's looking for who can he empower that will take on that kind of thinking. And that's who he will trust. See, Scripture says in other places in the Old Testament, some will, some will trust in riches, and some will trust in chariots, and some will trust in horses. But we'll remember the name of the Lord our God. See, he's got something in mind that we're going to remember, and that changes our security level. Now, we worship God through right values and right actions. This is the New Testament piece in Acts 17. 
Paul is uh, preaching in a place called Mars Hill in Athens. It was a, a place where there was a church going, but they didn't know anything. <laughs> there was a church going. It was full of still idol worship. People would come there and say, we want what God has for us. But they were hanging on to the idols that were their gods before. That's kind of a picture of what happens in, in church when everything is about blessing us. And it's not about giving our life back to God. Pretty soon, the prosperity, pretty soon, the comfortable life, pretty soon, the health, pretty soon, the sense of security, we take for granted. And we forget that it's in a relationship we have with him. And we become entitlement-minded. And we think, well, this is just my right to receive because it's God's promise to me. His promise is always in the form of a covenant. Think of it this way. There's give and there's take. And we do both. And think of it this way, Jesus has the right to do both. I would rather give him what he wants than have him take what he wants. Pastor, I never heard that preached before. Well, you're going to hear a lot of messages like that in the next few years. Why? That's what the body of Christ is going to have an attitude adjustment. Why? Scripture tells me the body of Christ is going to have an attitude adjustment. Why? We can't take the master for granted or what he wants. Now, what is this? This is preventive maintenance for the wise to take hold of. Say, I'm going to line up more with God's will. It's a change of thinking first. If we can change it, I'll say it this way. My job is to work to change your mind. I can't change your steps. You can. That's your part. Now, they had a form of worship that was uh, without understanding. They didn't have revelation. They, they, they were wanting to serve God. They had a desire to serve him. They were coming together and having church, but they didn't know very much. They had heard the, the, the bit that would draw them. Jesus paid a price to save our lives from destruction and move us into blessing. Everybody wanted to clamor around that. You know, if, if we'd uh, announce a series, the, the secrets of God's blessing in this age, people want to tune into that. But you know what? I'm just titling it something else today. But that's the message. Why is it a secret? Because most people aren't looking to do anything for God. They're still looking for what God can do for them. We should have walked out of that more than 20 years ago. Why, that's the timing of God. He's been interested in harvest far longer than we have. And when we get our eyes off of the harvest, the field goes to pot, doesn't it? Literally happening before our eyes. Now, verse 23, Paul is at Mars Hill in Athens and he stirred up in his spirit because of all the idolatry among the believers. This is a, this is a word to church folks. So today, if you're thinking, why are you bringing this to the church? Because we're who God's counting on. So much so that he's going to start openly rewarding those that expand their tent for people. Watch it and mark the prophetic word of the Lord. That's what will move God to change your world. God wants to do that. Why? He's looking for a people who have his same passion. Now, they had that form of worship, wanting the blessed life, but they weren't quite in right relationship with God. Verse 26, God has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and determined the boundaries of their habitation. 
that literally means God has determined the time horizon of our life. It's not talking about the clock on the wall. It's talking about God's plan. It's talking about the way to experience his blessing is to line up with his kairos, his plan to redeem man from destruction. Some people do that in a more practical way and one around, one around, around helping everybody. Well, we have to be careful with that or we're helping in our name instead of Jesus' name. But when we have spiritual truth and we know what God's word says and we're winning people passionately to Jesus, his power is released on that person. I, I, I can prophesy another chapter to come. There's a second wind coming into the modern day church. The wind of the Holy Spirit is coming yet again into the body of Christ. To breathe in a kind of new life that when we exhale, we will be filled with the word of God and the will of God. And there will be a generation of those young that are for the first time experiencing the presence of God. And they will leap and dance before the Lord yet again. And there shall be a reviving in the modern day church that shall be known as a new outpouring. That shall be identified by man as something God has never done before. So shall the harvest be in this day, says the Lord. See, that's what he sees that's at stake. That's what he knows is at stake. A, a generation that, that can't be... Uh, uh, can't come on fire for God except God begin to move. He's going to move through people. I'm going to tell you, for God to do anything in the earth, there's always first a seed called a word. And he'll bring that word. What was that? That was just a little bit of seed he's throwing out in the garden of your mind to consider. That's what that was. That's why I just I reached down in the seed bag. That's what pastors are supposed to carry. Precious seed down on the inside. And anytime they can reach out and go like that. That's just what that was. Something the Holy Spirit's saying is down in there to come while there's a harvest to come. You, you want to begin saying, Lord, use my life that way. What are you doing? Then you're planting seed out in there. God, let me be, let me be a harvester, so I'm going to be a planter. You start sowing that kind of seed and praying that way, he'll use you in the harvest. Why? There's nothing, nothing like being the one to plant that gets to be the one that harvests. I remember riding with my dad in the combine the last time I was with him. And he said, you know, the greatest privilege of, of this life is if you plant, you get to harvest. So I mean, everybody and their brother wanted to run the combine. He'd say, out of my way. <laughs> and he'd climb up in there. Why, that's his right. He paid for the seed that went out there in the first place. See, we take on that attitude right now if we'll be talking to the Lord about people. He, there's some key words here I'm going to point out that'll help you. That word times here is kairos. It's what we're talking about. God set this in motion and he gave you responsibility. Same as he gave me responsibility. You have to discover what that is because he said the horizon of your life is already set. Your people say, well, I can pray to stay a long time. You will stay so long as you line up with God's Kairos time. So many times people open up the, the, the door to the devil to die early as Christians because they're ignorant of this one truth. You can claim all you want to, you're going to have long life. It depends on you lining up with God's clock. That's why we're here. He said he set in motion the beginning and the end of our life. And in that horizon, it's his idea that we finish the race. It's not according to the clock on the wall. It's according to the finish line that he gave to you. 
I want to encourage you if you feel kind of lost to the plan of God. He has a finish line in mind for you and he redeems the time. If you've ever been in a situation where the time has been redeemed, it'd be like this. You were in a relay race and you're the one that dropped the baton and took 10 more paces before you could stop and go back to get the baton. But by the time you picked it up, suddenly you were out there right back in the pack. You didn't lose any ground. You were running and you, you were going to hit the finish line. So much of the time we look at God's life for us and we think, I've got to finish the, the finish line and be first. No, we have to finish. This is a race called harvest that he wants us to finish. And if we at whatever state we're in say, you know, God, that was wrong thinking. I repent of just wanting you to do everything for me and my family. I want to do something now for you and your family. You will pick up the baton. And you will find yourself right where you need to be with God to succeed. And there will be this sense of, of purpose, this sense of accomplishment. Some years ago now, there was a, a book written, The Purpose Driven Life. It was a little controversial, but it had a lot of good points. One of the points being, God puts you here for a purpose. You know, it really came at a time that we were entering the end time harvest. People wondered, why is this message, why does this sound so appealing? I need a purpose. Why? It was a gathering point. It was a summoning point. It was a place, a rallying point for God to put people back in the race. Many of you read that, said, I'm going to do something great for God. I'm going to discover my purpose. His purpose is always the same. It's for people. His purpose is always for people. And when we embrace that, he takes care of the enlargement. He takes care of the influence. He takes care of the family. He takes care of the people that are going to be in your tent. In God's thinking, your life tent is not just for your family. It's for fa your family to invite others into your family to find out what it's like to be in God's family. When you make it that, and you make your house that, and you make your business about that, and you make your thinking about that, then he can take care of your family in a way that gets the attention of everybody around you. Whenever the tents changed in Israel and the goat skins and the stakes and the ropes and everything, everybody knew where the babies were born because that tent stuck a little higher in the sky. Just like today, Influence has a visual effect on people. When you make your life about people, he said he will draw all men. He will draw them to who? To him. But he draws them to him by them knowing you. We're about done. That word appointed means God determined it beforehand. He had a plan for you before you took your first breath. And he set the horizon of the beginning and the end in there. Then the word boundaries means he laid down limits for us to work within. That's where people struggle the most today. They want to do whatever they want and then God move in their life. No, he set limits. That's what scripture is about. So in this church, we're going we're gonna to teach about limits sometimes. We don't know anything we want expect God to give us unlimited blessing. That's a bold-faced lie and deception. Okay? The truth is he gave us limits. He gave us a horizon of time. He put the chronos on the wall so we could understand to live for him. And that eventually the clock of this horizon will run out. And when it runs out, we need to be at the end of our race for him and what he set us to do for people. We need to see the roof line of our tent go up and the walls go out. We're talking about that today. We're talking about how to make that happen. 
That's how we make it happen, through action. Faith has action. The action is for people. Now, that word boundaries means laid down limits for us to work within. Now, then there's the word habitation. It means God can send people or bring people into an abode. He'll send you people. He'll bring you people if you'll ask him and make room for people. That they should seek the Lord. Why, pastor, are you telling us today? This is vision season. There's nothing more central to God's vision right now than what I'm telling you today. It will be what marks where the body of Christ goes for the next probably a few years. I'd like to think at least a few years. Why? It's what must happen before Jesus can return. He calls the outcome of this message what he calls the glorious church. What makes us the church without spot or wrinkle? The one that says, I'm going to expand my influence to win people for Jesus. You know what he says? I don't care if they have warts. They're working in the harvest. I don't care if they're dressed funky. They're working in the harvest. I don't care if they don't know everything about me. They're winning people to me. I choose to bless that. Why? That's what time it is. We want to walk in his blessing, then we line up with God's determination. That's what it means to have determined time. God's determined to have his way. That means we need to be determined to give him his way. What? That's who he blesses. Now, let's finish this up. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him. He made it easy. We just start going after him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Show me the way. I gave an illustration early this morning. I get up really early in the morning and I go from my, my coffee and exercise back upstairs and I turn the little night lights off and everything. This is about 3.30 or 4 and I go up there and I brush my teeth and I go back down and I, I'm getting into the word for you Sunday mornings, what I'm doing early Sunday morning. This morning I did that and shut all the lights out, shut the lights out in my bathroom and I had to stand there a minute. Well, there's a big street light behind the house shines in the back of the house and that's where the back stairs are where I go back down and I had to let a little bit of light my eyes get used to that little bit of light coming in. All of a sudden, I could see perfectly clearly where to go. When three seconds before, I'd have had to feel my way around. I ask you to do this today. Reach out to God to have an understanding of how to win people. He'll let you see. He'll open your eyes to see. And you'll know just exactly how to navigate and come down through there without any problems or difficulties. That's what he's saying today. You want to navigate out of a dark place or navigate out of gray space where you don't know up from down. You just start reaching out to God to win people and watch the light in your life increase. That's what we call revelation. Suddenly something, you'll see something you've never seen before and you'll know what to do. That they might feel after him and find him. He's not sneaking around tricking us. Though he be not very far from every one of us. In other words, he's just right out there, right in front of us. But we're not seeing him. Want to see him, we, we do what he wants. He says, here I am, let me show you the way. Here, here's what he says. For in him we live and move and have our being. The God kind of life is all about people. Psalm 112 verse 4 says, Under the upright there arises a light in the darkness. God is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. There's a light that comes up in the darkness. I want to talk about this for a minute. We're going to open the altar and we're going to call it done for the day. God's anointing in the church age is to win people. 
when we take steps toward him to do that, we may not know. I'm going to tell you, that this, this was a message I resisted when I was younger. I didn't feel like I was a person of any kind of influence. I thought, God, you didn't give me any of that. I'm one of these, I will help behind the scenes people. You didn't give me anything else. I don't know a lot of people to influence for you. And then I realized, well, I do know some people. <laughs> I'm just not an influencer, God. I'm not one of those. And I learned the reason I was not one of those is I didn't let him be in me one of those. I didn't let him show me how to do that. So I've had to repent of that many years ago. And I still at times have something to say, oh, wait a minute, I'm the influencer here. Lord, how do I do that? And he'll shine light on it. And it's become a fun thing to do. I'm going to pray today that if you embrace this message, that you receive that anointing that you receive God's favor to open your eyes. It, it, it's, I'll, I'll say it like this. It was a three-second process this morning before I stepped out of my bathroom to go down the steps. It took three seconds. Why? God's faithful. He said a light will arise in the darkness. If you're making decisions and you don't know what you're supposed to do, a light will arise in darkness when we order our conversation after the will of God. You start saying in your house together, our family, our influencers for Jesus, He's revealing to us how we're supposed to do that. But that's who we are. He'll start revealing. Why? Because we've lined our mouth up. He orders our steps when we line our mouth up. Many times people try to take steps without changing their mouth. The way you change your mouth is change your mind. I'm trying to change your mind today. I'm presenting to you a truth that can change your mind and how to embrace people in a new way. If you'll then change your mouth, God will direct your steps. That's his promise. When we change our mouth, we're saying, God, I'm giving you this. This is your navigator, not this. It's what comes out of here. I'm thankful because he says he can give me the mind of Christ. This morning, I'm giving you the mind of Christ. Or you can revert back to your own mind. You'll see how far your own mind will get you in the things of God. That's why he said we need the mind of Christ. We need an anointed mind. We need a mind that'll think right. Why am I bringing this? Because all the vision talk, all of the doing, and we're going to have some things to do as a church, is not nearly as important to me or important to God as thinking right. If we think right, then things have to happen at church to keep up with who's in the tent. See, it's not pastor's job to invent ways to bring people into the tent. That's the harvest workers. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm giving you now a picture of the will of God for your life. There are people for you to win to Jesus. Your longevity, your prosperity, your health, the peace in your family. God's provision in every kind of way is going to be forever linked to that until we go to heaven. I want you to be thinking about that. And some will say, well, I just choose not to believe that. Well, that's okay. You don't have to believe anything if you don't want to. But I just showed you God's will. Now, Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you help us get a hold of this truth. It's practical. It's purposeful. Father, we don't want to be driven with our own purpose. We want to be motivated by yours. We want to be submitted to yours. Heavenly Father, we know what time it is on your calendar. It's time to call your children home, but there's a lot more to be born before you can do the calling. So, Heavenly Father, I ask for every person that will yield their thinking to you. 
that you come in like a flood and displace the debris of the enemy, displace the things that have gotten in the way, wrong thinking, wrong efforts, being too busy. Father, whatever it is that we've turned to instead of turning to you, we'll turn away from. Whatever it is that we thought would make us secure and make us safe in this life, we, we, we lay that down and we turn to you to be the one to make us safe in this life. We look to what motivates and moves you first and we submit everything else to you. We'll not come in the gate of heaven with idols, so we lay them down. We'll come in the gate of heaven with people, so we pick them up. Oh, Father, thank you for working this work in us like only your Holy Spirit can do. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Yeah, you might want to say amen to that. I know that's kind of a hard, I'm going to tell you something. That's kind of a hard thing to say amen to. But I just told you how to unlock the blessing of God. I'm going to tell you something. Many Christians are experiencing a low point and they're wondering why. I just told you why. See, God has the answer. Well, if you want prayer for any reason, I'm asking uh, Pastor Paul and Pastor Josh and their wives to come. and They're going to lay hands on you. While they, th there's an anointing whenever I share that will go on those that, that work the closest with me. Sometimes the anointing that gets on them will be greatest for imparting to you. The greatest anointing on my life is to teach and prophesy. Many times when you look at the scripture, God will use the next layer of people to impart anointing. Why, well, I gave you the word, they're going to release anointing. Now, you, you folks just come on up and get in the altar and we're going to close the service a little differently. Why, well, it's a different kind of service. Uh, this is a gateway to entering into God's vision season, just to tell you what it is. And Some today will want prayer. Others of you will think about it a day or two and say, man, I should have got there. Well, then come on Wednesday. They'll be here again on Wednesday. I'll be here on Wednesday too. Unless I'm visiting hospitals again with people that won't, won't uh, anyway, I should be here too. But what we get? Lay hands on you. Why? You're saying, I want a point of agreement. Somebody to impart faith. Understand the, the role of a preacher. They've got faith for you to do God's will, same as I do. What, what will they do? Some of that strength will get off on you. Well, I, I'm going to pray one more prayer for your family because what today really was, was the key to strengthening your family. It was the key to strengthen your family is to strengthen God's family. Heavenly Father, I ask that your blessing come upon this congregation in every tangible way. Cause their household and their family to be blessed this year in a way that is, is explainable by them because they heard the seed of it go in today. Father, but then they can share with others. That why, this is to be a, like an outbreak, a move of your Holy Spirit like the world's not seen before. A sweep of your glory where people desire to live for you. So, Father, make it so and see it done in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962 or visit our website at go2lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.